After nearly four decades in Chattanooga, the Riverbend Festival is getting an upgrade. You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. We have plenty of folks in place, and it should be a very smooth process. The wristbands aren't the only change. The festival is much shorter this year, only four days. Staff says that's allowed them to bring in some big-name artists. It's all about making Riverbend 2019 the best year yet. It will be a visible and, I guess, just a, an emotional experience that, that will be like none other. It's, it's part of the renaissance of Riverbend. Happy Days is filmed before a live audience. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, live from Arnold's Drive-In and Milwaukee Fried Chicken Stand, You Wanted to See It brings you one of the most exciting events it's ever been our privilege to bring. Okay, kids. Arnold's is proud to present Kenosha, Wisconsin's own Weezer. (laughs) Please, try the fish. (laughs) What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't tell people something that is new, different, and better when it's barely anything new to it. Definitely not much different, and certainly not better. Oh, I'm sorry, and uh, don't die. That's that's also good advice. Don't die. Welcome into the sometimes weekly dose a couple of days late. Today, it is the last of the month. It's the last of the month. May 31st, the weekly dose in the Stone On Air podcast. Um, the end of May, it, it just snuck up on everybody with Riverbend being here because I, most everybody I talked to, especially people who were not going and being on the working end of it, not really, it's hard to explain, but having both jobs, having a hand in something Riverbend related, it all was just kind of like, whoa, it's here all of a sudden. And because we're just used to it being the same week as, as Bonnaroo and um as much as I've been a critical of Riverbend over the years, I always enjoyed having that week off that could combine both Riverbend and Bonnaroo. It gave me a full week of music to go see, even if I didn't like everything that was uh, going on with the Riverbend logistic, logistically and the Riverbend mission statement and the people who ran it and all those things. Years ago, I was more of an apologist for it. Part of it was because I was less experienced to understand what a truly real good festival is all about. And, I mean, I had an idea. Obviously, I've been going to a lot of them for a long time. But I, I wasn't as seasoned as uh, from a logistical standpoint, from a, an understanding the, uh, the science, really, that it is of, a, of, of creating a user experience um, from, uh, f- from just the aesthetics, from the way things feel to the way things sound. Um, oftentimes I was so bombed on drugs or alcohol, I didn't know any different anyway. And, you know, like in 2010 when the Allman Brothers were on the Coke stage, I left Bonnaroo on uh, Saturday early, well, early afternoon or late morning, came back to 
uh, Chattanooga went to uh, basically technically work for talk radio at the uh, at, at their spot at Riverbend to watch the Almond Brothers band. Well, that's the dumbest ass idea you could have come up with. I love the Almond Brothers, but I was was that ten? I think it was ten. So I was thirty years old, didn't hardly know any difference, and uh, it was it was Greg Almond and and well the Almond Brothers band. I think Warren was with them too, Warren Haynes. So that's just I'm giving you an example of I left the perfect model of an incredible festival to go back to Riverbend because I wanted to see Allman Brothers Band. It wasn't because Riverbend was a great festival. It's because the Allman Brothers Band were on the stage, and I was excited about that. So let's see. What are we going to do here as this, this, this podcast will do you no good after the festival is over. So I've given it about a shelf life of two days. So if you are listening to it after the festival, I appreciate you going backwards and listening to something that basically isn't very um, – it's certainly not uh, – relevant to the time period of what you're doing right now and if you've crammed it in before uh, the festival is over thank you for uh, getting here quickly so what is the point of this podcast it is not to just be a big asshole about how much i don't like riverbend and how much i don't like chip baker and how much i don't like the just entire thing logistically i do like many people though i want to make sure people understand this that work within the friends of the festival dixie fuller bob payne Karen Shostak, and most certainly Jeff Styles. I all consider, uh, well, I mean, I consider them friends. Some of them might not consider me a friend. I'm not sure, but I, uh, I have respect for them. But overall, it, this festival is just, it's amateur hour. It's, it's absolutely amateur hour. And after spending this entire offseason talking about this amazing renaissance, this revamped, this reinvented, this new, this re-envisioned um, uh, festival, it's just not true. It's not true no matter how many times uh, Amy Morrow's communications director, whatever she is for a friend of the festival, another person in this city that I have high respect for, but doesn't matter how many times she says it. You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. No, it won't. We have plenty of folks in place, and uh, it should be a very smooth process. And no, it wasn't either, also. It will be a visible and, I guess, just a, an emotional experience that, that will be like none other. It's it's part of the renaissance of Riverbend. No, there is no renaissance of Riverbend. I'll get back to that in a minute. So um, the other portion of this show, this is going to be one long segment. I'm not going to take any breaks. I'm going to play some stuff. I'm going to talk over it. I'm just going to kind of be punching buttons and chit-chatting here until I feel like stop uh, stopping. And um, it, I'm going to highlight the rest of the festival because there is good music to be seen at this festival, just like there is every year. But there's also a lot of really stupid and crappy stuff going on, bad sight lines, bad logistics, and just an overall not very satisfying user experience. But there is Macklemore on Saturday, and there is Old Crow Medicine Show tonight, which would be, if you're listening to today, this is downloaded on uh, the 31st on the uh, Bud Light stage, which generally, in my experience, has been a, a pretty good place to see some music. There's the War and Treaty. I'm going to play something for you here in a little bit from CBS. I had some of the interview from Bonnaroo that I wanted to use, but I just could not find it that I, that I captured myself last year. But for the sake of sanity and getting this show done and getting it out there, I just went with a, uh, a piece that I found from CBS uh, Saturday morning when they highlight musicians. And incredible story an incredible story and there's no chance i'd miss that show on saturday as i was telling people that i was uh, talking to uh, well really every year but certainly on the first night on wednesday the 29th for uh, weezer i said even I, yes i know i complain a lot i'm always complaining about something about this festival just from an organizational standpoint i can have fun here 
People are like, hey, you look like you were having fun. You had a drink and you were chit-chatting and listening to music. Yeah, of course, I was having fun. If it was that awful and I was not having any fun, I would have left. This, this isn't about whether I had any fun or not. This is, that goes back to my uh, the kind of comparisons I use. That just because you have a good paying job and you have a good <laughs> living uh, monetarily, that doesn't mean the economy's any good, right? And that doesn't mean just because you have good health insurance that that the healthcare system in the, in America is any good. Your anecdotal story doesn't tell the story of the big picture. Just because I had fun on Wednesday seeing Weezer and hanging out down there uh, on the on the grounds doesn't mean that Riverbend isn't an absolute embarrassing joke. And it is even worse when we spend an entire offseason hearing about how this incredible renaissance, this brand new Riverbend, or Riverbend like you've never seen before. You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. No, you we have won't. plenty no, of won't. folks in place, and it should be a very smooth process. It was not a very smooth process. Volunteers all day didn't know what was going on with these scanning uh, with the wristbands, which I'll get to here in a minute. It will be a visible and, I guess, just a, an emotional experience that, that will be like none other. It's it's part of the renaissance of Riverbend. There is no renaissance of Riverbend, so we'll start right there. I walked down from parking way down like I normally do. Didn't even look to see, you know, if there was good parking. I don't mind walking, so parked a little ways off the beaten path. Came down Chestnut Street about five blocks like I do every single year. Stopped by the Residence Inn like I do every single year. And uh, then continued to go in on the opening night. I was working for the alt uh, tent, at the alt tent, working nothing, having drinks and just sitting around talking, whatever. But the only night I had to be there, and it was Weezer night, so it worked out well. And I walk up to the front gate, and what's it look like? It looks like the same old river bend. Oh, no, no, jerk, there's a new sign. Okay, great, there's a new sign. Kind of a retro font, I guess, so fine, whatever, that's new. Walk on in, crowds are very, very light. It's also very early at that time, it's probably around 7.45. Walk in and down the entire row on the right, the exact same radio partners from across the city, they have their exact same spots, being their exact same juvenile selves, doing the exact same stupid human tricks for a free fan. Speaking of that, every one of these TV stations and chicken on a stick places or whoever else giving out the, the fans on a popsicle stick, the same people giving you giving away the same crap that you're just going to end up throwing on the ground or throwing in the garbage, whatever that uh, whatever they're trying to promote, the same guy trying to sell tires, the same guy trying to sell some gutters. More on that from Brad Steiner here in a few minutes. The same place for the talk monster to the left same place for the merch same place for the uh, the funnel cakes over there there's a there's a stage it used to be pretty good now it's just one of those trailer stages that they use down at riverfront nights it's literally a trailer they bring it in on a big f-150 or whatever big truck it is open it up it's called the chevy stage it looks like looks like something you put in the backyard of somebody's big property for some birthday party on the weekend then you go uh, you look all around nothing logistically and aesthetically is different whatsoever the only major difference is, is these wristbands, which at first I thought were going to be a really, really good thing. I thought this was this was going to work. Finally, you're getting away from this nonsense of pins and and uh, kind of wristbands you can take on and off and pass around or whatever. And you're and you're making um, you're making somebody put this on, leave it on, and treat this like a real festival and a way to actually make some money, like all the rest of the festivals do, who rely on ticket sales, which Riverbend clearly has not ever really relied on ticket sales. 
You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. No, it wasn't. We have plenty of folks in place, and uh, it should be a very smooth process. It was not a smooth process. Many of the scanning, uh, the little booths, things when you walk in were not working well. I didn't have much of a problem, but a lot of people I talked to did. And here's how these wristbands work. You load them up with money um, through their website. That was a pretty easy process. What happens is, though, that they don't tell you about is uh, they automatically charge you a dollar when you put money on there. I don't know if they do it every time you do it. I'm not sure, but they at least do it the first time. And I haven't even, I don't even know exactly how other than going through the website to find out if I get charged every time I put money on there or not. I'm not sure. There's no, I mean, there might be fine print, but I didn't see it anywhere. So there's a quick buck off of every ticket sale, which is basically covering the charges of the wristbands themselves, probably. But here's the deal with the wristbands that's, that, that is baffling me, absolutely baffling me, is that people are so used to tr- trading off, sharing, and passing around Riverbend pins and wristbands, whether they're the old ones or now the new ones. And so they're thinking... Um, what do we, how do we take this off? Well, numb nuts, you don't take it off. That's the whole point. Barry Corder had a, 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 an article in the paper that was everything you need to know about the new wristbands about 10, 11 days ago or so. And that's exactly how he started off the, uh, the, the, his piece was someone in the newsroom said, okay, I put it on now. How do I take it off? You don't. <laughs> You're not supposed to anyway, except for somehow between comments from Amy Morrow and absolutely not just comments, but visual video evidence of Bob Payne. Again, a friend of mine. Hope he's not pissed off at me about this. But Bob Payne is on his Facebook page the other day with a, his you know, shooting a video of him showing how he can put his on loose so he can take it on and off. What that and, and like giving you an instruction how to do this. What the hell is going on here? I'm I'm telling you, that is insanity, asinine, just amateurs who don't know what they're doing from an organizational festival standpoint. Can you imagine going to any festival in the country, any festival in the country, and the organizers give you instruction on how to take off your wristband when these things were specifically scientifically designed and have been and really started by Bonnaroo or at least the need the uh, the demand was created by Bonnaroo to make these these bracelets that are comfortable to wear waterproof and cannot be taken off and if you attempt to take them off it shreds them and turns them into uh, into two pieces and they're now void and that is on the fine print of every festival in the country. If you attempt to take this off or if you do take it off or if it's tampered with, it is now null and void. That is industry standard. And so now Riverbend decides to adopt a model similar to that and then all the while it encourages their patrons, encourages their festival goers to 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 take them off and share them. That doesn't make any sense. Like, go all in or don't go in at all. What are you doing? Make up your mind. Decide what you want to be. If you want to be a county fair, be the county fair. But if you want to be a world-class uh, music festival, like I've heard all off-season, and world-class music on you know, huge stages and lights and incredible new renaissance, well, then you need to actually do that. It will be a visible and, I guess, just a, an emotional experience that, that will be like none other. It's it's part of the renaissance of Riverbend. And again, there is no renaissance of Riverbend and it, nothing emotional about it except for look at how foolish everybody around 
here looks. Now, here's the second part of the wristband thing. Okay, so you load the money up on it on the on the RFDI, whatever it is, uh, identification little uh, uh, chip that's on the on the wristband. No big deal. I've been dealing with these all the time. I never put any money on it because I never wanted to. Well, for whatever reason. For whatever reason, Riverbend, along with AC Entertainment, decided to make this entire event only to where you pay through that wristband, making it even more important that everybody who has one of those wristbands puts it on securely, safely, and permanently for the entire festival, not to be taken off, because what that has turned into is a virtual wallet if it is being used the way that they so-called say, supposedly say it was designed for. Why the hell would you be taking something on and off that has free money on it if you lose it? Why would you want to encourage somebody to take something that you might have put 100 maybe 50 or 100 maybe $200 on so you can just tap and scan and move along and pay for the ease and simplicity of this new you know, high-tech kind of idea, which isn't really all that new, making it exclusive as a way to purchase on-site is, uh, is a little baffling. But overall, why are you doing this if you're now going to encourage people to share them, take them off, give them to other people? That doesn't make any sense or help encourage spending or help encourage people to understand how to use this new idea, this new festival, this new renaissance. The obvious you'll notice as soon as you walk in the door, reinvented, reinvigorated Riverbend. You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. We have plenty of folks in place, and uh, it should be a very smooth process. And as I was hanging around the areas where I usually get to go, the VIP areas and the box seating areas, I didn't have any of those anymore. I don't even ask for them. Uh, That would be foolish of me. I mean, (laughs) I can't do podcasts like this and then go ask for favors, right? So I'm not mad about it. It's all good. I was happy just to be there for a few, have a few drinks, and watch Weezer from a distance. But there were so many uh, volunteers that did not know where where people were supposed to go and the scan boxes weren't working and there was well, I'm not going to call it chaos because it wasn't chaos but it was not a well organized well understood um, situation from the volunteer standpoint because I'm sure they didn't know because of the cluttered mess that is the organization called the Friends of the Festival the so called supposed nonprofit organization that Chip Baker heads up one of the biggest assholes in the city. Um, my friend uh, Brad Steiner from Hits 96 Radio, we both dislike this festival for a lot of re- reasons, and not all of them are nearly the same. And we both have some of the same friends and acquaintances and um, relationships with people who run the organization. I don't know how they feel about him. I, I hope that the people that I have a good relationship don't dislike me. I have a feeling they probably do. But anyway, this was his Facebook post. I'll read most of it verbatim. Riverbend, the biggest scam ever pulled on the people of Chattanooga. What's happening on the Riverfront Parkway this weekend is an absolute clown show. You want to be a, quote, big-time music festival? Don't do low-rent hack and Little League shit like you've seen this year. Like the entrance at on Riverfront Parkway for banquet tables. I don't really care about that, but I get what he's saying. Zero fan engagement. A cart selling Confederate flags. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time getting away from that. Uh, around here, anyway. A, a guy trying to sell gutters. Uh, let's see, side stages that look like they were set up at a family reunion. I think he's referring to that absolutely awful Chevy stage trailer that was just, I mean, it just looks so tacky. 
a laughable art installation. I did not see which uh, installation he's talking about. I'm guessing it's up a little further on uh, Riverfront Parkway going up to where the Unum stage used to be the only stage that I actually enjoyed that they eliminated in the brand new incredible renaissance of Riverbend. You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. No, it won't. We have plenty of folks in place, and uh, it should be a very smooth process. Continuing on with Brad's uh, Facebook post, it says, Pre-show production that seems to be run by a guy with shoehorns for hands. Levels all off or not working at all. Terrible video quality on and on. I didn't pay attention to that part that much. That might be true. It might not. Uh, I'm sure if he says it is, it probably is. Volunteers who had absolutely no idea what's going on because... I'm betting no one told them anything, and I believe that to be very true. And the final one here, or, well, one of the last ones here, a giant crane parked in front of your main stage. There's that big, huge crane parked there. It's so stupid looking. Uh, Let's see. An embarrassment of a wristband payment option on site. You can't only accept your glitchy payment process and then charge for the ability to use the said scam process. Have you ever been to a professional festival ever? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I have to pay to give you money, and if I don't, then good luck even getting a water because no one accepts cash or cards. What a joke. Don't ever pay for the privilege to only have one payment option when you're being charged for that very privilege. Then the worst part, want your money back? Question mark. Yeah, well, that'll cost you. Clear this up for me. Do or don't you charge someone five bucks to get their money back that they loaded on your scam wristbands? Now, I have not been able to confirm whether that cost five dollars to do or not. Uh, I've had mixed um, mixed responses on that one. And we'll conclude Brad Steiner's Facebook um, post from Thursday, the 30th. You may not think these things matter, but go to any actual big time music festival and tell me if you see any of that garbage. If you want to pay, play in the big leagues, you better be ready. But you shouldn't. Be who you are. Be a Southern Rock and Country Festival. Embrace how bad it is and own it. Do what you do well. Mama and Dim with Joe Diffie on a blanket with an overpriced light beer. Because right now you look like a dad trying to wear a gold chain and a backwards hat trying to hold on to your youth. Be who you are. But don't claim to be a big-time music festival because those of us who have gone to owe any of them will see right through the nonsense. People and brands paid for this, and you're stealing their money. I thought that was uh, really good. I agree with most of that. Some of that I just I can't attest to because I didn't see the art installation. I didn't pay attention to the stage itself because I was a, a, a mile away off on the green there in front of the blue plate because at that point I didn't really care uh, about positioning. I was just looking forward to leaving, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, to, to get to the show specifically, uh, Weezer was fine. They were fine. It was another situation of, and I don't know this to be true, but I've seen it enough to believe it, the band didn't know what they were getting into before they got there. You could almost tell, like I have so many other times, and my biggest example is Blackberry Smoke. They looked lost when they were on the Coke stage back in 2016. Uh, Like, what the hell is this? And they played early when they were doing the early sets up there. That was a mess. There was nobody there, and they're playing on what felt like the top of a building, on top of a skyscraper, with no with no uh, a crowd whatsoever. They're a, they're a, a band that is driven by the uh, the uh, the 
the uh, energy of a of a rock and roll crowd, and you they, they just just wasn't possible to have that night. But Weezer had the same kind of feel. They played their set, they played it well. I looked at past sets as this was their last U.S. show before they uh, go overseas for the rest of the summer, and it, it was comparable to the rest of their their uh, early summer, late spring dates. So they didn't mail it in. They they really did try, but you could tell between songs a few times. Rivers Cuomo, their lead singer, he said one time, he said, I've, uh, something, paraphrase, I've never played on top of a barge before. Um, I like it. I, uh, I Yeah, I really like it. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't like this at all. Weezer is one of the more interactive uh, rock bands, uh, you know, kind of dork rock bands you'll ever you'll ever uh, ever see. He goes out in this crowd and plays all the time. Island in the Sun has become absolutely legendary for the, how the different ways he goes out into the to the crowd to play portions of the song on an island in the sun in the middle of the crowd. It's so damn cool. Well, guess what? Worst island in the sun ever when you're on a barge 200 feet away from your audience. You can jump to your death if you want to go down and hang out in the audience. And he did say something about, um, I wish I could come down there and dance with you, but you're kind of far away. You know, it's it's just not, this, the bands that play don't like it, except for Kid Rock and 38 Special and the Doobie Brothers, whoever's, Michael McDonald, whoever's, whoever's left in that, or uh, just name somebody else, Steely Dan or whoever. Yeah, they're just happy to be pay, uh, cashing a paycheck, playing on a big-ass stage when last week they were at the you know, Fort Payne, Alabama County Fair. So, you know, I, you know it, it was fine. Weezer tried their best. And uh, it was a it was a nice enough time. But let's also real quick before I do transition to looking at the rest of uh, the the next two nights because I will be there Friday night and Saturday. Um, let's just look at this supposed world class lineup where they spent all this extra money to put these great acts on. And I might this might be uh, regurgitated from a past show when it first was released I, uh, when the announcement came out. I apologize if you're here regularly. Thank you so much. You might be hearing something I've already said before, but. So we'll start with Weezer. All right, Weezer was a huge act uh, 18 to 20 years ago. They've been a very nice act for the last 15 to 20 years. Riverbend books acts like Weezer all the time. I can make an argument that last year when Third Eye Blind was booked, that mainstream-wise, they're a more popular act. So I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you a ton of credit for booking Weezer because they're not really a hot act. I love them. They're one of my favorite bands. Probably top 10. Probably top 10 favorite bands. But you're not getting a lot of credit for that. Let's move to uh, last night, which would have been Thursday. Lionel Richie. What? Huh? Has he played here before? Has he played here twice before? Lionel Richie is not some act that you're supposed to be telling me is the new and improved, the uh, the, the new renaissance of Riverbend. That's absurd. Uh, move to Friday. Tonight. Keith Urban, all right? I get it. I It does seem, because I'm just plead ignorance, I do believe that Keith Urban is a very, very, very big, big-time country act. I think it's going to be a, a huge night down at Riverbend tonight. Hope maybe the night that saves them financially. I don't know. We'll see. There was a lot of rain on Thursday that probably scattered and screwed up the Lionel Richie night. So that, you know, that might be their moneymaker. And then the one act, the one act that you can say, hmm, that's a little bit different from what Riverbend normally does is Macklemore on Saturday, which I'll go more to more into here in a few. But really, the guy hasn't put out anything anybody's cared about in several years now. But it, I'm, I'm, that's the only instance I'm going to give you any credit for. 
Old Crow Medicine Show, they might as well schedule the Old Crow Medicine Show every year. Like them. They're fun. They're great. No big deal. And then Saturday, the Warren Treaty, which I'll also go into more here in a few, it's just another act they could have booked at any other time. Uh, that caliber act is easy for them to get a hold of through the money that they've had. That's not a new renaissance or reinvigorated or reinvented or revamped riverbend. You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. No, it won't. We have plenty of folks in place, and it should be a very smooth process. At least on Wednesday, that doesn't seem to be true either. It will be a visible and, I guess, just a, an emotional experience that, that will be like none other. It's it's part of the renaissance of Riverbend. And so, whatever. They can tell themselves whatever they want. There are going to be uh, pains on that first day, I understand, on that Wednesday. I know somebody might be saying, well, Brian, you're just being a jerk, though. It was just the first day. Of course, there were problems. It's it, it's more than that. I'm not concerned about uh, uh, problems at the front gates or the scanning or the reloading of the wristbands here and there. I, that, of course, that's going to happen. I'm talking about the just overall fundamental breakdown organizationally from a philosophical standpoint. And what really just blew my mind was this idea that we were not only going to just kind of insinuate, we were not just going to kind of hint at, we are going to downright damn just come out and say yeah you want to pass off your wristbands and give them to other people here's how you do it that's all i needed to know that there ain't nothing new going on with this festival or anybody who's running it they're going to hold on to these positions and make the six-figure incomes like chip baker does and and i don't want anybody to lose their money or anybody to lose their jobs but this is not anything new this is not anything revamped and this is not a renaissance of Riverbend. This is the same old damn Riverbend. You will see it the second you walk here. The bigger and the better will be so obvious. No, it won't. We have plenty of folks in place, and it should be a very smooth process. Okay, half hour into the show, I think I've made my point. Now, let's take a look at what we do have going on for the rest of the weekend, because there are a few things here that are definitely worth your time to check out. Let's start with the war and treaty. This is a really fascinating story that they have told at nauseum at this point because of how many times they've been asked about it. Um, but it is worth hearing if you never have. They're going to be playing uh, Saturday on the Bud Light stage. I assume that is just before the headliner. So that's probably going to be around 730 or so. The band consists of husband and wife Michael and Tanya Trotter, and it is a very interesting story that if just a quick Google search you could read more about. I had some audio that I grabbed from Bonnaroo last year. I think I mentioned that earlier, but I couldn't find it, so I grabbed this from CBS Saturday Morning. Give me about five minutes so you can appreciate this story between Tanya and Michael from the War and Treaty playing at Riverbend on Saturday. On stage, Army veteran Michael Trotter Jr. is fearless. Together, he and his wife Tanya perform as the duo The War and Treaty. But 15 years ago, when Trotter deployed to the war in Iraq, he was understandably terrified. I was afraid, and I want everybody to know I was afraid, because I hoped that that fear would say, all right, let's send him back home. (laughs) The Army's like, you signed up, you're here, let's bite. Trotter dropped out of high school at 16. At 19, he became a father. He enlisted in the Army as a way to support his daughter. I thought, like, wow, I have really made the mother of all mistakes. Then you meet the boys. 
and the gals. And if you're lucky, you meet your missing family members and you connect. One of Trotter's commanding officers, Captain Robert Sheets Jr., could tell that he was struggling. Sheets heard Trotter liked music and suggested that Trotter learn to play a piano that had been discovered in the palace where their unit was based. And he's like, whenever you're here on your free time, come here and find home. Trotter practiced regularly, his thoughts never far from the piano's former owner. It had been owned by Saddam Hussein. You know, I found it very interesting that I was learning on an instrument owned and touched by such tyrannical hands, and it's now serving me for peaceful healing means. But peace doesn't last for long in a war zone. On May 30, 2004, Captain Robert Sheets Jr. was killed by an IED. I met a soldier off at war, yes. He was far away. Trotter wrote a song for Captain Sheets' memorial service. When commanding officers saw how the performance inspired, Trotter says, they saw an opportunity. The well-prepared, he left his home. He knew Martha be afraid. The powers that be decided that that is what I would do. I would literally write songs about the fallen for memorials. All he wanted. After almost two years in Iraq, was to see his little boy play. And far too many memorials. Trotter returned home. He continued to write and perform, which is how he met Tanya Blunt at a music festival. His is on the Tanya Blunt had an early brush with fame. That's her in the film Sister Act 2, performing with Lauren Hill. The kind of just lost the zest for it. But I wanted to be able to give the audience that fire, and I just didn't have it anymore. But when she met Michael and heard him perform, sparks flew. What was it about those songs that spoke to you? They were honest. That's the thing that I love about Michael is that he's honest. That's not something you can make up on stage. Stay with me. The two started working on songs together, got married, and had a child. But Michael was having trouble adjusting to civilian life. One Fourth of July, he was just up under the bed hearing the fireworks. And I said, what's wrong? He didn't tell me that time, but then it happened again. And I sat him down and I said, whatever's going on, you know, I really want to know. Tanya insisted that Michael go to a veteran's hospital. They told him that he had PTSD. And we went home and I said, you are a wounded warrior. He was like, well, I'm not wounded. I'm not shot up. I didn't lose a limb. And I said, but that doesn't mean you're not psychologically wounded. Weeks went by letters came none from Martha's guy. Tanya encouraged Michael to play her some of the songs that he'd written while he was in Iraq. Though on her face she wear a smile inside she would cry. That was the entry point to Michael allowing me to know what was going on through the songwriting. So I started to hear the songs and listen to the lyrics, and it was letting me in without him sitting me down to say, this is what happened. Yeah. In August, 
the Warren Treaty released their debut album, Healing Tide. Greg Kussel traveled to Nashville to hear his old army buddy perform. The last time these two men saw each other, they were bunkmates in Ramadi, Iraq. I just have such a positive impression of Michael. I just remember his singing and thinking, wow, I really hope that he continues on with that. Most of the Warren Treaty's songs aren't memorials. Although, in a way, you could argue they all are. On my back sits the spirits of those fallen boys and girls. And they're cheering it. Go, Charter, go, go. I feel it. It is really an incredible story and one that I had heard that was from Bonnaroo. It wasn't me interviewing them. It was kind of like a panel where there was a handful of us who decided to go to the uh, to the press panel and then they would talk and kind of let everybody record it. And he would really went into depth about how he was so scared and everybody around him, him knew it. And he was like the weak link and he was... Uh, having really bad anxiety about it, and like I'm here in the in the, in the war, or at, you know in Iraq in the middle of war, and I can't do anything. I freeze up. I can't. There's nothing I can do to contribute. I'm going to get somebody killed. And uh, that was when the story turned into, hey, go down to to the down in that palace and start playing Saddam Hussein's um, uh, old piano and get away from it. And then, it, as you heard the story, it evolved from there. It's really, really fun. Really, really. I mean, I don't. I mean, fun's a wrong word, but you know what I mean. It's it's really a, a, a neat story that makes you want to pull for a, a couple like that. And they will be playing Saturday at again. You'll have to figure that out on your own. But so this is kind of a you know throw Riverbend under the bus and then pick them up and dust them off and pat them on the back. Because, again, I can have fun at Riverbend, and I promise you I'm going to figure out a way to have fun at Riverbend this uh, weekend for the last two days. So that leads me now to Macklemore. Macklemore is somebody who, at first, I didn't have any interest in because, I don't know, just white guy, uh, rapper, you know, kind of, sort of, with a little bit of musicianship. Yeah, I don't have time for that, and I've regularly said that as I've grown up I've been awful at paying attention to popular music because to me if I think it's stupid it takes a while for me to to be have my mind change but when I finally heard this song it changed my mind Around every spring, when the winter thaw, we'd huddle around the radio, twist the broken knob. 7:10 a.m., no KJR. Daily House's voice would echo throughout the yard. Couldn't have been older than ten. It's the baseball song, is what I've always called it. Might as well have been gods. 1995, the division series. Eggers at the back, bottom of the 11th inning. Got the whole town listening. Swung on and belted. The words distorted. Joy core round third. I love it. Comes Griffey, the throat of the place, not in time. My oh my, the Mariners win it. Yes, fireworks, they lit up. So he's talking about the Mariners back in the 90s. Iconic slide from Ken Griffey Jr. So great. I don't care a thing about the Mariners. So great. Lace 
Island, barely holding that shit. We'll listen to it for a minute. Increases a time amongst the grime and the grit. Where the leather used to pound his fist. To some it's just a mitt, but see that glove was him. Yeah, tell me stories on the field with that sun-stained rim. Blood under my chin, he taught me how to spit. Sunflower seeds back with me and my crew. Sunburnt arms, big league shoe. Yeah, we were like the sandlot after dinner. After practice, we listened to the M's in the kitchen. And if mom wasn't tripping, come on, dad. Please, I swear, this one more inning. Voice would pump, pump through the system. Break out the rye bread. It's grand salami time, I oh my. Another victory, yes. My city, my city, childhood, my life. Watching Griffey right under those lights. I mean, I'm getting chills listening to this. I'm getting chills listening to this, and I don't care anything about Macklemore's life or the Mariners. But I the same way. Just one more inning, Dad. One more inning. I want. Oh man, I, I guess I can't. Can't go to bed now. I got to see what happens. And that's even more of a thing of the past of past generations. But I love the game of baseball, as anybody who listens regularly knows. And when I heard this song for the first time, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, I was like, okay, now, so who is this Macklemore guy? I got to maybe give this thing a, uh, give this guy a try. So there's that, which I sure hope to hear on uh, on Saturday night. I'm not sure that I'll be in the festival grounds proper at that point. I'll hope to have my uh, money that I have loaded on my wristband cashed out, paid off, and then I'll hand it off to somebody else and just go hang out at the blue plate or something because you can see and hear the music probably better at the blue plate than you can on the inside of the festival grounds. But so then the second time, but I realized that I had to start paying attention to uh, Macklemore was a much more um, a much more popular song or mainstream song called Same Love. And I don't know these songs well enough to talk over them and make it sound good, so I don't want to screw it up. I'm going to play this for as long as it makes sense. And if you haven't heard it before and you're a homophobe, you're going to hate it. If you haven't heard it before and you think same-sex uh, marriage and uh, homosexuality is some kind of unnatural, disgusting sin, then you're going to hate it. But the, I have a very good feeling that majority of anybody listening to this podcast doesn't feel that way because that's a really stupid asshole way to feel as far as I'm concerned. I think you already know that. The song is called Same Love. Macklemore will be on the Coke stage 9.30 Saturday night. At Riverbend 2019, the revamp, the new Riverbend. But this is something they wouldn't have normally done in the past. Same love for Macklemore. When I was in the third grade, I thought that I was gay. Cause I could draw, my uncle was, and I kept my room straight. I told my mom, tears rushing down my face. She's like, Ben, you've loved girls since before pre-K. Tripping. Yeah, I guess she had a point, didn't she? Bunch of stereotypes all in my head. I remember doing the math, like, yeah, I'm good at Little League. A preconceived idea of what it all meant. But those that like the same sex have the characteristics. The right-wing conservatives think it's a decision. And you can be cured with some treatment and religion. Man-made rewiring of a predisposition playing God. Oh, nah, here we go. America the brave. Still fears what we don't know. God loves all his children. It's somehow forgotten, but we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. Love it. I don't know. Love it. So good. So good. After I heard this, it was especially like, all right, bro, you're my guy. I can't wait to see Macklemore Saturday night. Even if I think Riverbend is ridiculous from an organizational standpoint. Doesn't mean you can't go there and see incredible performances and have an incredible time. I can give you, I can do an entire two-hour show 
on the shows that I've seen at Riverbend. From the Avett Brothers to the Allman Brothers to Mo to gay, Panic. I would think hip hop hates me. Have you read the YouTube comments lately? Man, that's gay. Gets dropped on the daily. We become so numb to what we're saying. A culture founded from oppression. Yeah, we don't have acceptance for them. Call each other faggots behind the keys of a message board. A word rooted in hate. Yet our genre still ignores it. Gay is synonymous with the lesser. It's the same hate that's caused wars from religion. Gender to skin color. The complexion of your pigment. The same fight that led people to walkouts and sit-ins. It's human rights for everybody. There is no difference. Live on and be yourself. When I was at church, they taught me something else. If you preach hate at the service, those words aren't anointed. And holy water that you soak in has been poisoned. When everyone else is more comfortable remaining voiceless rather than fighting for humans that have had their rights stolen. I might not be the same, but that's not important. No freedom till we're equal. Damn right, I support yep. it. I'm just going to keep letting this roll for a few minutes. I hope you do not mind. It's good stuff. Wrap up the show here soon. Copyright laws be damned. While I'm thinking about that and copyright laws, the Bonnaroo look ahead, my schedule at least going into it, preview show will be next week, June 5th. We press play, don't press pause. Progress march on with the veil over our eyes. We turn our back on the cause till the day that my uncles can be united by law. When kids are walking around the hallway, plagued by pain in their heart. A world so hateful, some would rather die than be who they are. And a certificate on paper isn't gonna solve it all, but it's a damn good place to start. No law is gonna change us. We have to change us. Whatever God you believe in, we come from the same one. Strip away the fear. Underneath it's all the same love. About time that we raised up. So, anyway, that's probably good enough on that. Boy, I hope he plays that on Saturday. I really do. So I will give Riverbend credit for booking uh, an act that they probably normally wouldn't have. But overall, you know, the rest of it's pretty run-of-the-mill stuff. So... Hopefully I'll see you down there. If you see me, come say hello. I would totally uh, appreciate it. So I'll put the wraps on that right there. And the last one, the last preview, which I don't have anything other than just to play this one on the way out. This is uh, Old Crow Medicine Show. song is called Methamphetamine. And I really hope they play this tonight as well. They'll be, again, I guess on the Bud Light stage. I don't have the schedule in front of me. I'm assuming it is leading up to the headliner, so that would make it around uh, 730 to 845, something like that. I don't know. You've got an internet. you got a phone. You can figure it out if you really want to know. But Old Crow Medicine Show is always a, uh, a, a very fun time. I've seen them twice. Once at Track 29, and I believe, I think at Bonnaroo once. I'm pretty sure they're at Bonnaroo this year, too. So uh, all the way around, it's a fun time of year. And I always did really love that the, the Riverbend and Bonnaroo back-to-back weekends are really made for a fun 10-day stretch. I always call April... Hashtag my month. Well, June is hashtag my other month. And then the rest of the year is just kind of waiting around for April and June to show back up. I guess, you know, September is a month I kind of like a lot, too, with NFL football getting back into the swing of things. But so, yeah, April, June, September. If I can have good months in those three months, the rest of my year is going to be uh, be pretty easy because all that fun can cancel out the nonsense of the other nine months. So, 
Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you've been here this long, if you're a new listener, thank you so much for being here. If you rate and review podcasts that you listen to, I'd appreciate if you would do that. The thing is, I don't even know how to tell you how to do that. And if you ask me to rate and review review your podcast, I wouldn't do it because I don't really know how. And I know it's not difficult, but I don't really feel like trying to find out. So if you don't want to, don't. I get it. But if it is something you do, I would appreciate it. Even if you think the podcast sucks, leave a review. I, I, I'm, I'm good with it. I like, you know, that don't talk behind my back or don't talk about me. Hell, talk about me all you want. Tell me I'm the greatest guy you've ever met or the worst guy you've ever met. Either way, you're talking about me. At Stone On Air on all social media is how you can get a hold of me. Alt 987 Radio, Monday through Friday, 3 until 7. See you at Riverbend tonight and tomorrow. If you're listening to this after the fact, God bless you. I don't know why, but thank you so much for your support. I really, really do appreciate it. I'm going to put the wraps on it right here. Old Crow Medicine Show takes us out on the weekly dose or the sometimes weekly dose or the not-so-weekly dose. For the final day of the month of May, we're almost halfway through 2019. Holy hell, time flies, and it ain't got a thing to do with whether you're having any fun or not. We'll talk to you again on June 5th for the Bonnaroo Preview Show. See you bye. It sounds like a big storm rolling in. It's gonna rock you like a hurricane. It's gonna rock you too.